0: We're going to pick up where we left off last week as we've been talking about some new covenant principles in this series called The Alternate Reality. And what we've been doing is digging into the Word to try to see exactly what God has to say on basically every subject. But the thing that we have to understand is that because of the reality that we are in, we need to look at things through the lens of which that reality is based, which is the Scriptures. We see everything and through this new covenant principle on how God moves and what He does. All of God's character is revealed throughout the pages of Scripture. His love, His compassion, His mercy, including His judgment. And we're seeing all of that come into play. And so as we look at this, in this new covenant, we find out we are saved from death, which is wonderful. We are saved from the wrath of God because Jesus took that on Himself. That's wonderful. We have been set free from sin. That's wonderful. We don't have to live in fear because what would we fear? We'd fear death. Well, why would we fear death? We get promoted at the moment of our death. If you're a born-again believer, death is not a bad thing. Death is wonderful. We have now access to God, and we have peace with God. And as I said, the Mosaic Covenant is hinged upon what they had to do. But the New Covenant is based upon what Jesus has already done. And so everything promised of God is a guarantee for us in the New Covenant. No different than it was a guarantee for those in the Old Covenant. The blessings and the cursing. Those were a guarantee from God. They agreed to the terms. They said, hey, we like this. Sounds great. We'll do everything that you have said. That was the first lie by the nation of Israel. But they didn't do it. They didn't last 37 seconds. So every promise of God belongs to us. And when it's a New Testament principle, a new covenant principle, it is something that we can count on, but we choose to walk in it. We choose to walk in the fullness and reality of the promises of God. And so the beautiful part of all of this is God says that we are redeemed. We have been bought with a price. We are set free from all of this other stuff. And God's greatest gift to us is His grace. We can never lose sight of that. I know in today's culture it's tough because these terms get thrown around so loosely of what that means. But God's grace given to us is what brings us to the cross, what brings us to salvation, which gives us access to the Father. That's his greatest gift. But as we found out that the number two thing that he gave us is the person of the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 14. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so as we saw in Jesus' life, every aspect of Jesus' life was centered around the person of the Holy Spirit. From the prophecy to John the Baptist and his parents, his conception, his baptism, his entire ministry was done through the power of the Spirit, his death, his resurrection, and even afterwards when he gave commandments to the disciples, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it probably ought to be good enough for us. So we try to do a lot in our own strength. We try to make sense of things in our own mind. But there are things of God that just frankly don't make sense. One of which is this unconditional love. That doesn't make any sense. God, we have turned our back on you every which way that we can possibly think of. And yet you still sent your son. Because he has a love for his creation. Which is why he wants to redeem it. Which is good. But then he said, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Look at John 16. Verse 5 it says, but now I go away. To him who sent me, and none of you asked me where you're going. But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, imagine, again, I, I keep talking about this, but I want you to get in the mindset of not only who was writing this down, which is the Apostle John, but also who it was written to and who was going to be reading this. These guys have been with Jesus all along the way. And so he says he's going to leave, and what happens? Please don't go don't go we need you here we can't do this without you and then he says something crazy like it's to your advantage that I go because if I don't the Holy Spirit won't come and that's interesting because it seems to imply that we do get an option here we have a choice on on the person of the Holy Spirit and what we do with that and I want to just kind of reiterate what we talked about last week a little bit in Psalm 103 verse 1 it says bless the Lord all my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. See, this is David talking in his psalm, and he's saying, bless the Lord, he's worshiping God. He says, forget not his benefits. And here's the problem, is that for him... To receive those benefits, he had to stay in covenant, right? Because if he didn't, he received the benefits of breaking the covenant. He constantly, they always had to keep things up to a certain standard. But for you and I, and a New Testament principle, can come to the Father, give our lives to Him, so to speak, be born again, and it can stop right there. What we want is God's benefits. What we don't want is God. Don't bother me with everyday life. Don't bother me on trying to direct me to stop doing this or maybe go and do that. I just want to do me. So I want you, but I don't want you. I want what you can do for me. I want your salvation. I want to spend eternity in heaven. But what I don't want is any interaction with you here on earth. Now, have you ever met somebody who deliberately said that? I haven't either. Realistically, if you want to think about it, that's a deistic notion of God, meaning that the deists believe that, yes, God is out there. He created everything, but he's kind of hands off from his creation. And nobody in their right mind would ever make the statement, God, give me your benefits, but you stay over there. I don't want you near me. Nobody would ever say that. But we do with our actions. Because we're like, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. But I don't want to change. I don't want to press him. And with this, we begin to look at the four soils. And I've got this slide up here. And there are four soils. It's in a parable that Jesus said. And he said, this is the key to unlocking all the parables. And I'm just going to kind of rehash this just a little bit. But there were four. Those that fell by the wayside. Those fell on rocky soil. Those that fell on thorny soil. And those that fell on good. And the seed goes out. And we saw here at the wayside that the seed was stolen by Satan. Why? Lest they should believe and be saved. So we know, well, whatever this group is, a seed is sown. And the enemy comes and takes that seed from the heart, lest they believe and be saved. Which means they are, they're not saved, right? Doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But from that point on, all other of these, in my opinion, are born-again believers. But what happens is they don't bring any fruit to maturity. Why not? Well, they receive the word with gladness, but in the times of tribulation, the times of persecution, or the times of temptation, they kind of fall away. Or perhaps they receive the word with gladness, but the cares of this world, or the deceitfulness of riches. Or the desire for other things, or the pleasures of life set in and they bring no fruit to maturity. Or it's good soil and they bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 full. It's one of the four. It's always one of the four. Now, we all want to be in this category. We all want to be like, hey, yeah, I'm I'm good soil. Well, let's just test that, shall we? If you're good soil, then who is the sower? You are. And what are you sowing? God's word. And if you're sowing God's word, what should we expect? Fruit. This is good. Could you imagine being a farmer, constantly planting a, a, a seed and never harvesting a crop? So if we're not seeing any sort of a harvest, then what should we be questioning? What's standing in the way? Because none of us want to be here and none of us want to be there, but yet by our actions we are. You see, what happens is, is in a moment of excitement to give their life to Christ, whatever emotional thing that happens, a recognition of our sins sometimes is what it is. And we just cry out to God, Oh, I'm so sorry, I can't believe that I was this way or I did this thing. And then you get in there, and then things start getting hard. Or something happens and it derails you. Or you get distracted. We like to call them today idols. We'll say, well, football's an idol or something else is an idol. Idols are something you bow down to, they're not idols. They're distractions, and they come from every direction. And yet those same people can sit in a church every Sunday and a Bible study every Wednesday, attend the occasional prayer service, maybe they do something else, but they never get past that part. But why is Jesus making this statement? Why is he telling this parable? The moral of the story is we ought to be producing fruit, but at a minimum, three-fourths won't. Isn't that sad? So where are we? Where are we? And then last week I showed you also a a picture of the temple. and This is something that the the Holy Spirit had showed me a few weeks ago. And in this temple you have the outer court. You've got the inner court. And then you get into the holy place. There's three segments of this. And the outer court is where the Israelites could go. It's called the women's courtyard. They could go in there. But they would hang out there. And this is where Jesus would have taught. And this is where... um, uh, they would like, where, where Jesus is flipping tables, this is where he makes the whip, flips tables, right? Everybody's favorite part, right? Okay, good. That's my wife's favorite part. She acts that out with my children each day. But this is where all of that activity happened. Now, these people were covenant people. And what was happening, or what it became, and this is what the Lord was showing me, is they would bring their sacrifice into the inner court. They would stand there. And then they would pass it off to the priest, and the priest would take it and he'd go about doing it, and he'd, he'd sacrifice, to take the blood, whatever, and then they would step into the holy place. And all we wanted to do is just bring our worship, but we don't want to go into the presence of God. We want to stand outside because, man, it's just easier out here, and there's friends that I like, and there's all the distraction and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. They all lie right there. And that's the church today, folks. And this is what the Lord was showing me, is that we have to go past the inner court, or the outer court, into the inner court. Because we are to bring the sacrifice of praise. There is no longer a priesthood that is interceding on our behalf. Jesus, the great high priest, is it. We step into that presence. Why? Because we can. They weren't allowed. They didn't want to. We go into the holy place. We enter in through the veil that is His flesh. Into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. And something I was telling you guys last week is I've never understood something. Because I've been in some of the most incredible services ever. Through the years. I've been doing this for a long time. And man, the presence of God was so thick. You could feel like when you read the story about how when they dedicated the temple originally. And the presence of God was so thick inside the temple that the priest couldn't even get in. I always imagine like they run into this invisible wall and bounce off. It was always funny. Put that on a flannel graph in children's church. That'd been fun. But anyway, and so it's like you you'd see people, and you could just tell the presence of God is just affecting them. Sometimes they're crying, sometimes they're laughing, sometimes they're just praising God, sometimes they're shaking, sometimes they fall down. You never know what it's gonna be. And then you got other people who just stand here like this, their arms crossed, whatever. And like, God, how does this person? Be so affected by your presence, and this person not. Well, it wasn't the presence in the room. They entered in. Others did not. They choose. Are they still saved? Yep. God, give me your benefits. But stay in that room. Don't bother me. We'd never make that statement. That's how we do with our actions. And then Jesus Tells the story about a rich man who came to him. He said, "I've kept the commandments since I was you. What must I do?" And Jesus says, "Okay, we'll keep all the commandments. Said, Love your um, mother and father, and all that kind of stuff." He's like, "Well, I've done that." they're "Okay, good. Go sell everything you have and follow me." And it says he was very sorrowful because he had great possessions. He didn't want to give them up. And you'll notice something. This is very interesting. Jesus didn't chase after him. Jesus didn't compromise. Jesus didn't put him on a payment plan. Act now when we're throwing steak knives. Jesus didn't do that. He let him go. This man allowed the deceitfulness of riches keep him from entering in to the kingdom of God. Now, he was in covenant. And based on the covenant at that time, had he kept those things, he would have been a faithful member of that covenant. And let me ask you this. If Jesus were standing here today and you said, Jesus, what must I do? What would you give up? In that moment, what would you give up? What thing on this earth keeps us from walking in lockstep with Jesus himself, with the Holy Spirit? See, that's a physical example because Jesus was there. But we don't walk in a physical example. We have the Holy Spirit. We walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the question that I have for you today as we begin to get into this, is that what does a person who's born again, full of the Holy Spirit, and consecrated to God. In other words, they're in that 30, 60, What does their life look like? What is the net result? Do they look different than the average Joe? What happens to somebody who just gets It's full of the Spirit and begins to do the things that Jesus said to do. What are some of those things? Well, I don't know. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations. Who is he talking to? Who wasn't he talking to? You know what we call that? Producing fruit. How many of those would do it? Well, maybe 25%. It's almost as if we treat it as if something that we're entitled to. But there's no strings attached. And you know why we do that? Because that's how it's been taught. See, it's the free gift of salvation. You just come and you receive it. And that's true. But is there an expectation after that? Does God have an expectation for his people? Did he have an expectation for his disciples? Absolutely. So we're going to look at the life of somebody today. We're going to look at Peter for just a moment. Now, what you may or may not know about Peter is the book of Mark is chronicling the life of Peter, and, and from his vantage point, because we believe that Mark was the uh, writer for Peter as he was dictating what it says. You'll notice in you, as you read Mark, it's funny, because this is exactly what any of us would do, is all the stupid stuff that Peter did, it doesn't say him by name. It just says, a disciple did, or something like that, or it just leaves out that part altogether. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I think that's funny. But look at his life. Now, we know that he was there. He had to be there from the moment of Jesus' baptism because otherwise he couldn't qualify as one of the apostles. That was one of the rules, as we see in Acts chapter 1. So that means that he heard every sermon. He saw every miracle. And he saw every interaction with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the priesthood. He saw all of it. And who always came out on top? Well, Jesus ultimately did. They didn't like him. He also experienced the power of God as as Jesus said, I'm sending you out and I give you power to trample on scorpions and tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he comes back and like, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus' response was, and this is in the Message Bible, well, duh. Because why wouldn't they be? So he experienced some pretty incredible stuff. But then when Jesus said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back, what did he say? No, 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 we, we won't let it. And then when they came to get him, what did he do? He cut the ear off of a guy. I'm assuming he was swinging for his head, because I'm not sure cutting an ear off is going to stop him, but whatever. I mean, he was standing in the way, and Jesus made a statement to him, he said, before the rooster crows you'll deny me three times. No, I won't. Well, what does he do? Well, let's look at it. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. It says, Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him, but he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And then about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord how he said to him before the rooster crows you will deny me three times and Peter went out and wept bitterly now if you had seen what Peter had seen what would you do because you notice it immediately says he followed at a distance why is that he didn't want to get caught up in that because he knew that if they recognized him as one of the disciples what might happen to him the same thing is going to happen to Jesus he didn't want that. He was afraid. And it says this little servant girl comes up to him and says it, and he denies it. I don't know him. After a while longer, somebody else does. He says, no, I'm not. It actually says in one, uh, one of the Gospels that he actually cursed Adam. It's not very Christian-y. And then Peter adamantly says, I do not know what you are saying. And Jesus looked at him and he remembered. I mean, imagine. Everything he had seen, What more convincing would you need? What more convincing would would it cost for you to lay down your life for Him and say, no, I am one of His followers, take me with Him? Because that's really what would typically happen. And here Jesus, or not Jesus, but Peter, chickened out. Not exactly an example that we want to follow. Fair enough. But something changes in Him. First of all, we see when, when the women came back and said, uh, we went to the tomb, he was not there, but we did see him, he's alive. What did Peter do? I don't think so. And he ran to find out for himself. He didn't believe. But Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem till they're endued with power from on high. And I want to look at a couple of chapters in Acts today. Because I want you to see the transformation that took place. You see, this moment is a moment of failure on Peter's part. Jesus didn't speak that into existence. Jesus told Peter exactly what was going to happen. Because Peter wasn't fully persuaded. But in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 is where we're going to start today. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sound upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So were they all filled? Yes, they were. How many of them were in the room? At least 12. The previous chapter says 120, but that doesn't mean they were 120 in the room. It's a previous chapter, okay? But there was at least 12 of them. So, let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm point of fact. Were they filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, they were all filled. Weren't they filled with the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them? Somebody, John or Luke is confused. Okay? But look what happens. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, verse 5. Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. It's Pentecost. Every able-bodied male Jew had to come back to Jerusalem. And when uh, the sound occurred and they came together, they were confused because everyone heard them in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia... Gia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocked, saying, they are full of wine. But Peter, now who is this Peter? It's the same one who failed about 40 days prior to this. The same guy who chickened out. What's the difference here? said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But Peter, standing up with the 11, how do we know that there was at least 12? 11 plus 1. Public school, baby. Raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Now stop for a moment. Who's he talking to? Men of Judea and all who are dwelling in Jerusalem. Some of those people would have been the same ones that he denied Jesus to something's transformed in this man for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel now he's gonna go back to a time a prophecy given by one of the prophets that they all would have agreed upon spoke for God it shall come to pass in the last days said God so if that was the last days where are we at today the laster days, okay? He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And your men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So if those days were the last days, what are today? So is he pouring out his spirit today? Yes. Yes. Nothing's changed. He says, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Old men will dream dreams. So when, depending on what time of day it is when that vision comes in, tells you where you are in the pecking order. Are you old or are you young? But should we be expecting this? Why wouldn't we? My men service, my maid service, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Should we expect that? Of course. And then he goes on, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now so far, nothing Peter has said would cause a problem with any of the listeners. Because he just quoted the prophets and he said, this event is it. The only problem would be is that the last days were not inaugurated until Messiah had come. So by saying that this is what the prophet Joel was speaking of, implied that the Messiah had come. But other than that, there will be no stones picked up and thrown. Look at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Who did he say did this? All the people he's talking to. You did this, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him the fruit of his body according to flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses and therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said I'm sending the Holy Spirit. When did he send them? When he breathed on them. It's got to be this event received the Father, from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and which you now hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There's a big difference between Peter 40 days earlier. Big difference. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. What was the promise? The Holy Spirit was the promise. And to whom? All who are afar off. Should we expect that today? So is the Holy Spirit available to anybody who will ask? You know, in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, Jesus starts talking about, if you're a father, would you give your son a stone when he asks for bread? And he says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? What was the distinction here? What changed in Peter's life? He was trying to preserve his life, and now suddenly he's willing to put it all out there, and whatever happens, happens. Let's go on. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day were about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, those who gladly received his word, do you remember when we uh, we read that in the soils? They received the word with gladness. That means they were saved. That implies that some didn't receive his word. But we know 3,000 of them did. What fruit did they produce? We don't know. Luke didn't write enough go on and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers they, they came unified together they were being taught by the apostles we call this discipleship then the fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had needs continuing daily with one accord in the temple where in the temple And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Man, there's a distinction here, isn't there? Something transformed Peter. He went from trying to protect his life, guard his life, even denying the one whom he loved. With everything that he had seen. Can you fathom it? I mean, my goodness, to see the miracles that that man saw. To hear the teaching that that man heard. And then as soon as it counts, you're out. Tribulation, persecution. He went from one soil to another. But look at Acts chapter 3. For those of you following along, Acts 3 follows right after Acts 2. Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid uh, daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now, where is that beautiful gate? It just happens to be the one that leads into the outer court. So, he's there, asked for alms for all those who entered the temple, and who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from him. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Why? That guy always sits out there. He always asks for money. Now he's standing here. What on earth happened? Signs, wonders, miracles. Now, Peter was pretty bold there. So he just got done preaching to the masses and now he's just going back because it's time to pray. Did he go there looking for this guy? Nope. He just went because it was time to pray. And as he's walking in, here's a guy. What was that man looking for? Hey, you're one of those followers of Jesus. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Can you heal me? No, he's like, you got any loose change? But Peter took the opportunity. And with boldness, he said, I don't have money. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Then he reached down. That means there's an expectation. You know what we would do? We'd lay hands on him. Okay, we pray that you get to walk now see you later. we don't want to stand around right awake. because what if it doesn't work that wasn't Peter's problem there's something different about him he's changed now verse 11 now as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John all the people ran together to them on the porch which is called Solomon's great greatly amazed and when Peter saw it he responded to the people I love this men of Israel he always starts with that must be a good thing for him why do you marvel at this Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. That's pretty bold, because now he's not standing in an upper room shouting out of a window like we kind of picture in our mind. Now he's in the crowd. This one, who Pilate was going to let go, but you delivered him up. You, and you, and you, and you, and all these people around me. Not me, I was too busy denying him, but you delivered him. That was a joke, stay with me. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and His name through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him his, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all His prophets, that the Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets. And of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Man, he's just letting them have it. See, the guy that you killed, he's the one that did this miracle. You look at us, wasn't us, it was him. Now go to chapter 4. It says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple... And the Sadducees came upon them. And being greatly disturbed, that they had taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. But they just said that the dead were resurrected. This is the problem. This goes against our beliefs. Therefore, we've got to deal with this. It says they laid hands on them. This isn't in the good way. And put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So one day he preaches, 3,000. The next day he preaches, 5,000. Is that 30, 60, or 100? I lost count. He's doing pretty well. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day when the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they set them in the midst, and they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's interesting. Why did Luke put that in there? It's almost as if it implies that this is why he's doing this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now, here's the deal. He is standing in front of the Sanhedrin, and they have the power to put his life to death over Thanks for playing. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And he is standing up there and saying, You killed him, but God raised him. Verse 13. Now when when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But watch what they do. When they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. What do we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them, not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak to things which we have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened him, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. This is incredible. Do you guys see the 180 in here? Now, we see that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we see Luke again say that he was filled with the Holy Spirit as he began to speak. Now, at this point, most of us would just be grateful to be out of the situation and we just move on with life. But look at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, uh, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with the, the Word of God with boldness. What were they filled with? What were they filled with? Why does it keep saying that? Seems to imply that it happens more than once. Now, what's interesting here is that most of us would be so grateful to just be out of the hands of the adversary, be like, oh, thank you, God, for bringing me through. And we just go about our life. But not these men. What do they say? Thank you, Lord. Now, give us boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your servant Jesus. They weren't getting quiet. They weren't done. And it goes on from here, but we're not going to go any further than that. You see, Peter was transformed by the Holy Spirit. Where do you find him? Not in the outer court. You have to press in. You have to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. You see, you can be born again and you can have the Spirit of God inside of you, but he keeps saying that time and time again. But you can walk your entire life and ignore the Holy Spirit. There's some in here ignoring the Holy Spirit. There are some in here that have allowed bitterness and hurt and the temptations of this life keep them from pressing in to the power of the Holy Spirit. And you would think, oh, but that's not me. It can't be me. I want more. No, no, no. What happens is they just, they just double down. You know why? Because they'll listen to a spirit. But it ain't the Holy Spirit. You see, the enemy will sit there and he'll tell you, oh, no, no, you're good. And that's not you. That's not you. You'll just, you'll just keep going with what you're doing. Look at his response. Let's go to First Peter. You know who wrote 1 Peter? It was Peter. I want to show you just a couple of passages here of what he has to say. Same guy, denied Jesus. 1 Peter. Starting... I'm going to pull this one up. One Peter chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to inherit inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith that is the salvation of your souls we rejoice in him verse peter chapter 3 verse 13 and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, and he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. Jump down to verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. And when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, and he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody, and other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him be, not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Jump down to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as the faithful creator. Now what's he talking about here? He's talking about a sold-out, sanctified life. I've got these four soils again. He is talking about not allowing this and not allowing this, but to be a producer of fruit... You must disregard your life, your cares, your wants, your desires. You must be full of the Holy Spirit, full of power to do His work. And so the question that I have for you is why aren't we? Why are we just existing? We are in, we're in the outer court and we're just comfortable there. But God did not call us to comfort. Now there's two reasons that this happens. is One, you don't care. You're going to allow whatever hurt, whatever thing has happened in your life, however long ago it was, keep you from pressing into the greater things of God. And number two, there's a spiritual influence keeping you from pressing in. Both of which you are in complete control. See, the power of the Holy Spirit is real. And He wants to set some people free. He wants to move in your life. Do you realize that any one of us can be just like Peter? How many of us have denied Christ in one way or another? I'll raise my hand. How many of you guys have denied Christ when things got tough? Yeah, maybe you didn't come right out and say, yeah, I don't know him, but through your actions. You see, our reality is found in the scriptures. The realities of that covenant that he gave us, that we walk in. But what do we do? We get busy. We get distracted. We get the cares of our lives just kicking in. Oh, man, I'm tired. I stayed out too late. I just, I can't make church. Oh, I got family coming in. I I can't make the church. Oh, I'll pray tomorrow. I got got too many things going on today. You're saying this to God? What if God had said, yeah, sorry, I got too many things going on. Jesus ain't gonna make it today. You're on your own. Look at how we treat him. You should be ashamed. Let's stand up. You see, I know that the Holy Spirit is moving right now. I can feel him. If you play some music for me back there, brother. I can feel him right now. And whether you can or not, that's up to you doesn't make any difference. It's not about feeling. but let me tell you this: We have the choice, and we can just go through life as we always have. And just stay in the outer courts. Or we can say, God, I'm asking for all that you have for me. Because why would we not? What has God provided that you don't want? This great father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. And you're going to say, no, no, no. I don't want you. I just want some of your benefits. You stay over there. Why would we ever do that? You see, God wants to set some people free. So let's just take a moment. Let's lift our hands up to Him. And let's just worship Him. It's your choice. 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 Thank you, Jesus. It's your choice. choice it's your choice we let so many things distract us from the love of God to worship but I can, I, can, I can feel the power of God on me right now and maybe you're somebody who's just kind of going through the motions you want to end that today you want a strong walk with the Lord with intentionality And you want to be full of the Holy Spirit. What we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. Is that as the Holy Spirit came down, they began to speak in other tongues. And we see it time and time again throughout the book of Acts. But it was the thing that transformed them from simply being in the outer court to pressing into the inner court to going into the holy place where the presence of God was it is the thing that allows you to produce fruit because you can't produce fruit on your own you might go around and plant seeds but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to raise that up so I'm going to open up the altar for anybody who wants prayer for that but there's another thing whether you need healing in your body whatever it is but some of you guys right now you are fighting a demonic power and you may not even recognize it. But if you're having thoughts of hatred, if you're having thoughts of bitterness towards God, maybe towards me, maybe towards somebody else, doesn't matter. That is not God. And you are not justified in that. That is the enemy controlling your thoughts. So I'm going to open this up for anybody right now. Anybody. Just come up. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody. Line up over there, guys. Anybody. Just line up over there. See, we're relying on the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fill them up, Lord. Lift your hands up to him. Fill them up, Lord. Fill them up, Lord. Fill them up, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Fill them up, Lord, that we just lean on your word. That He is full of the Holy Ghost and full of power. This is a man of faith. This is a man of words. This is a man of action. That He will walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank You. Make Yourself real to Him. Make Yourself big to Him. Pour Yourself out on Him. The fullness and the power of the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. The fullness and the power of the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. The fullness and the power of the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. Pour Yourself out on Him right now, Lord. Pour Yourself out on Him right now, in jesus name pour yourself out on right now in jesus name lord oh god with humble hearts we come before you and we thank you that is your power we release that power that anointing lord we thank you that fullness 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 not going through the motions lord holding nothing back but fullness of the power of the holy spirit in jesus name Fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Complete fullness. Full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit of all wisdom and knowledge to know what to do in every situation. To walk in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Leading, guiding, directing, taking them on this journey, Lord. Followers of You. Servants of You. Humble hearts before You, God. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith. Full of power. Never backing down. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For you are so good to us. So good to us. So good to us. Thank you. Thank you. Can I pray for you? I'm going to do it anyway. Father, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name. That you're driving out anything standing in the way. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your power. I thank you, Lord, that you are real. Thank you, Jesus, that you are pouring yourself out upon them, Lord. I thank you, Father, for a humble heart. Lord, make yourself real. Make yourself real. Make yourself real. Oh, we rebuke the enemy now in Jesus' name. All demons must go in Jesus' name. There is nothing that can stand at the name of Jesus. We thank you for your power, Lord. We thank You that You are pouring out Your power, Your love, Your mercy. We release You now in Jesus' name. The power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we give You glory and honor. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit to be full, to be full, to be full in Jesus' name. The power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we thank You, Lord. You are so mighty. You are so powerful, Lord. Thank You that we have humble hearts. Humble hearts to serve you, Lord. That we want nothing more than you. Nothing in this life stands bigger than you. Nothing, Lord. Full of faith. Full of power. Pour your spirit out, Lord Jesus. Pour your spirit out, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. Oh, you've been standing strong for so long. Do not lose sight of the most important things. You've been standing in the the gap for your family. Continue to do so. Continue to lead by life. Be full of power. Be full of faith. Be full of the Spirit. They will see. Pray for them. Love them. God, we pray and thank you for the sister that she is just walking with you, an example to you, a bright light to you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Full of faith. In the name of Jesus, pour your spirit out. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. As we reach out, that your spirit falls upon us. That you've equipped us and endued us with power from on high. That we don't walk in this earth on our own, Lord. But that the greater things have been given to us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Full of faith. Full of power. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My brother. My brother. Thank you, Lord. I just pray. for your spirit. Given him a servant's heart. A servant's heart. A servant's heart. Fill him up. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you don't see him as the world sees him. And that you don't see him as he sees himself, Lord. But this man can be mighty in you. That he leads like you. With a servant's heart. Not coming to be served but to serve. But there is more that you can have, but you have to press in to get it. It's time to lead and not follow. It's time to lead and not follow. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take effort. But anything worth having is worth working. Father, I thank you for healing. Take away the hurt better No matter what's gone on, you are greater than everything. The name above everything. The name above everything. Father, I just pray that you show your love and for compassion. Because your spirit leads you, above all things, Lord. Show her sure what needs to change. Father, I pray that you humble her heart, soften her heart, to hear from be loved by you. That that hard shell will just break away. And that you'll pour your love out upon her. Thank you, Jesus. And what can be? A soul devoted to you. To walk mightily in the fullness of the Spirit of God. In the presence of God. To serve. Always wait. Always waiting, With arms wide open. Ready to embrace. Lord, you said we enter boldly into your throne room and we find grace when we need it. Embrace your return. Just lift up our hands to him, church. We worship. If there's anybody else. We've got just a minute. If there's anybody else. But the power of God is in the presence of God, but you have to enter in. You see, you can stand there. He's not going to force you. You can choose to be hurt, you can choose to be bitter, and you can be mad at God, but at some point, you've got to move on. It's your choice. It's your choice. But we thank you. We give you glory. And we give you honor. And we are so grateful for you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. For all that you've done. That you gave your life for us. And you gave your spirit to us. So Lord, I pray that we would be good soil. That we would be fruit producers that we are transformed by your spirit. We give you all the glory. All the glory. Let's take communion. You got the elements with you. We didn't get one. to we'll get you one. But we do this each and every month together as a remembrance of what Jesus did. My son's got him back there. He'll get for anybody who needs one. You see, what we're doing here is remembering this. And ultimately, when we talk about this, we're remembering God's love for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish and have everlasting life. That while we were still sinners, God sent His Son into the earth to die for us. And as He was sitting there with His disciples, He said, with great desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you. And He took the bread... And he broke and he said, this is my body. That's being broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And then he took the third cup in the Passover meal, the cup of redemption. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so Lord, we thank you for that. That we are underneath the covenant. And that we can count on all of your promises. Because he who made the promise is faithful. So we don't walk after our own flesh, our own desires, or in our own strength, Lord. But we are full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of faith, Lord. Father, I just pray that you open up doors of opportunity for us. That we can walk in the fullness of the power of the Spirit, Lord, and be examples on this earth. Looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Lord, that we are intentionally seeking out those who are lost. We are intentionally seeking out those who may be sick, those who need healing, those who need a touch from heaven. Lord, we are intentionally seeking them out because inside of us lies the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So Lord, I thank You that just as You did with the apostles, That as your word goes forth, you will confirm it with signs, wonders, and miracles. And Lord, that we are simply vessels of which you move through. But we are your hands and we are your feet. And so Lord, we give you the glory and we thank you for that. Lord, may we be a people fully committed to you. Lord, may we be not like Peter was, but like Peter became, Lord. Thankful for those trials. Because we are standing bold in the days of trouble and tribulation. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. And how you're moving. And that you are glorified in every aspect of our lives. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. And God bless you guys. Don't forget we've got foundations. And we'll see you Wednesday if not.